Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Black Country Ramble. You are listening to a half West Bromwich Albion, half Wolves podcast in the spirit of rivalry, but also in the spirit of balance. I am joined by JB, our resident Wolves fan, as ever. JB, how are you this week? I'm all right, mate. Um, could be better. You know, we're living yeah. in, a, in a cost of living crisis. Uh, you know, I, I filled up at the tank, you know, I filled up at the petrol station the other day and I nearly fainted. Um, scary times. And then the football's not been much better either, mate. So uh, I've been better, but I've got my health. I've got my life. So we're all good, mate, to be fair. What about you? Yeah, same here. Um, it, as I'm sure everyone listening will know, everything is very expensive right now but let's <laughs> let's try and have a break from that and talk positivity for the next um, hour or so on the subject of sort of better times and uh, positivity i've got a trivia question which is steeped in nostalgia jb um, okay certainly your era okay so i would expect you to get this um pressure this, pressure. this is a who am i jb so i'm gonna oh, read okay Three clues. Yeah. Um, would you like a guess after each clue? If that's permitted, that yeah. Let's, yeah, let's, okay. yeah, if that's we'll permitted, that yeah. yeah. We'll go yeah, gold, yeah. gold, gold, silver, bronze. If you get it first time, okay. gold and listening along at home. Okay. Same to you. Um, yeah. Okay. So, first fact is I was born in a country that no longer exists in 1968. Okay. Um nineteen sixty-eight, that would be seventy-eight, eighty-eight, ninety-eight, two thousand eight. I've got fifty fifty-four, would that be? Fifty-four, I think in age. Fifty three, fifty-four. Yeah. Uh no. Yeah, yeah, fifty. Yeah, fifty-four, yeah, fifty-four, yeah. Okay, so uh fifty-four year old crikey. Um in a country that no longer exists. In a country that no longer exists. 54. Um, Andre Konchalskis. It's not Andre Konchalskis. Uh, clue number two. I played for two London clubs in my career. 54. 54. 53, 54. So in the... Uh, played for two London clubs in my career. So I'm guessing he obviously played in the 90s. Um, Conscious no longer. Oh, goodness me. Okay, I'm thinking of like sort of uh, like USSR, sort of Yugoslavia, that sort of area. Um, London clubs, 90s. Oh, my goodness me. I'm going to kick myself. Would you like clue number three, JB? No, not yet. Let me have. Let me just. Let me just pinpoint. Let me just pinpoint. Um, uh, Yugoslavia. No, Milosevic didn't play for uh, the London club. So did he? No, he didn't. Um, oh, yeah. Go on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to go. Go for the third clue. Okay. Clue number three is I was top scorer at a World Cup. Uh, 
played for London, so it would have been. Oh, okay, okay. I think, I, but that country does exist. Oh, he might, but he might not have been born in it, right? Is it Davo Suka? It is Suka. Very good, JB. And he was yeah, born I'm... in Yugoslavia. Okay. Of course, didn't represent Yugoslavia in the 1998 World Cup. Represented yeah. Croatia. Um, Croatia, yeah. Bronze medal for you. And bronze medal for Davos Suka in that World Cup as well, by the way. Which yeah. Is a bit of symmetry. Yeah, he, very, very good player. He, um, he was Arsenal and West Ham, I believe. He, he was for. indeed. Um, getting no bonus points for this, JB. No, um, no, 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 no. He had, a, he had a, a wand of a left foot. Um, okay. Scored a beautiful goal over Schmeichel in Euro 96. Um, it's quite a famous goal at Hillsborough, I think it was. That was wow. Um, and Part if I'm a very, if I'm very not... famous Croatia team, wasn't he, in the very early days of the Croatian FA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very good player. Um, Holly, I think he came to Arsenal a little bit. I won't go later on in his career, but I don't think he came quite at his palm. Well, he was, he, was, he was past the '98 World Cup, wasn't he? That that was very much his his prime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think his, his, his prime was very much Real Madrid. I think, but yeah, top player. I don't think, yeah, I don't think I would have got that. I, I'd have, I wouldn't have got that without the third clue. I'm just thinking that, yeah, um, I'd have, I'd have focused too much on the, the country was born in thinking that to be represented, whereas Croatia, of course, country, sort yes, of thing. yeah, 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 but, yeah. Uh, yeah, good, great question. Love that. Really, really good. good question, isn't really it? Good. I might, I might yeah, book very... a list of who am I and, and chuck one. Do you know what? Yeah, my go. That, that, yeah. That's a, yeah, good shout. That is good shout. Uh, if you did get that at home and you beat JB's bronze medal, well done. Um, another clue, if to be honest, I think this is a harder clue. Uh, but the next clue was he scored 114 goals in La Liga. So I would have been amazed if you got it from that one, but not the World Cup yeah. one. But yeah, yeah. Um, okay, JB, shall we talk about black country football? Yeah, let's do it, boy. Okay. Um, I would like to begin with Wolverhampton Wanderers, JB. Um, uh-huh. Talk to me about three losses in a row. I've got a... a couple of questions for you JB prompts um feel free to answer them directly or in true rambling yeah form go go off on one have yeah. they faltered under a bit of pressure here when you look at who they've lost to it's Arsenal it's West Ham it's then Palace and their season is effectively in terms of top four at least their season is effectively yeah. over because of this run have they crumbled I don't think we have crumbled. I, I just think we've, we, we've, we've. Uh, I think we've got away with it a little bit up until this point. At times, I think you've alluded to it on previous pods, where maybe our sort of league position is is sort of um, doesn't quite stack up with with our performances as such, and and potentially it was always going to catch up with us. Um, I, I won't go as far as we've crumbled. I just think we've been unbelievably poor. Okay. Um, and I, I mean, I, 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 I'm going to wait for your next question to see see if it leads into where I'm going to go. But it, it's just been the last two games, particularly, have been really hard to stomach. Um, and it's got people asking a lot of questions around: Is there something going on? The certain things that, that have been spoken about online in the last couple of days. Which might be sort of the, the tin foil hat brigade coming out, or what have you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not averse to that, by the way. Um, but <laughs> just, just things in terms of the, the demeanour of, 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 of the players, the way they got off the coach against before the Palace game, 
The way they um, got off the coach. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, wow. It sounds no, no. It sounds mental, but they've always done it the same way, where they acknowledge the, the play, they acknowledge the fans, the, the crowd. It was just a little wave or whatever. And literally, there was a little video of it, and literally, not, not there wasn't even a glance towards the, the fans. Bruno didn't even look at the fans, and he always gives them. Away. I know it sounds really silly. It's probably people digging too deep. They've got too much time on their hands, but that that surfaced quite quickly before the game, um, and he was like, "Oh, that's unusual." And then you look at the performance. I, I'm, it, uh, I, I mean, to be honest with you, can you have to remind me? Have, have we done the West Ham game? We have done the West Ham. We game. have. We have done the West Ham yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- 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 thank goodness. Yeah. Um, the Palace game. I will put it out there. That first forty-five minutes was the worst I can remember us playing. Well, I've, I've, um, obviously, I've seen the highlights back, um, but Albion were playing at the same time, so I wasn't yeah, watching yeah, live. But look yeah. at the, obviously, I get a lot of wolves on my timeline now with the with the Black Country Ramble pod, and yeah. I'm like, it's the apocalypse. It wasn't, it wasn't an overreaction, Kieran. It wow. was. It, it was as bad as I've seen, or as far as like, my memory can take me without me digging deep. Um, it was, I was texting a few of my mates, obviously, as, as a dude in the game, and I was saying, this is weird to watch. Really weird to watch. Like, it's almost like they're doing it on purpose. And so, you know, we were saying, like, it was, I think, I think, was it SI messaged me? Someone messaged me saying it was, like, back in the 90s when players used to go out on the pop on a Friday night and that it would show it. on the Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, I can't explain how bad it was, Kieran. I, I can't really go into it too much because I, I can't. I don't. Even, I can't even dissect it. It was just abysmal. We were one-dimensional. We were poor. The defending was calamitous. There was no energy. It was like it's almost like Kieran. Since 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 the art the art from from the moment we stepped out of the Emirates and we got that goal, uh, Huang scored. I think it was after four or five minutes, wasn't it? It was quite early. It's almost like Nuno is sorry Nuno. It's been like that's been like watching <laughs> Nuno. Uh, Bruno has gone from having been tactic, excuse me, being tactically sharp and wanting to take the game to teams and almost letting us dictate the tempo of play. It's like he's completely one eighty and gone. I'm setting up to basically not lose. No matter how we play, we're just not going to try try not to lose because it's that negative. The last few games it has been abysmal. Um, I, I can sit here and all night and, and dissect the, 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 that forty-five minutes, mate, and, and pick out certain players and 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 the, the formation and the way it was. But there's no point. It was just anyone who watched it, anyone who's in the highlights. It was abysmal, mate. And I'll be honest with you, Kieran. I saw the stats at the end of the game, and if you hadn't have been on Twitter or you'd have just seen the game and you'd have seen the stats, right? As people do, Palace apparently only had two shots on goal, two shots on target, and scored two goals. Okay. Throughout the whole game, that is the most misleading stat I've ever seen in my life. Because it felt okay. like there should have been about it felt like there should have been about ten nil up at half time. I only had two shots on goal. I don't know. Um, it, it was it was staggering. It was staggering, mate. If that might be wrong. It might have been a, a graphic a, a graphic um, mistake because I was watching it on a on a dodgy stream. But it, it was it was abysmal, Kieran. I can't really say much more. Um, it was shocking to say the least. Mm. And, and the and the fallout of it afterwards, you know, you've got Bruno's come out and he's, he's thrown Keanu Hoover under the bus. Um, well, I want to talk about this, yeah. Yeah, well, well, well feel free, it, yeah. feel, feel free, mate. I mean, he could have thrown anyone under the bus, but 
you know, I mean, Keanu, I, I think I came out and said it on the pod last week. That was the worst Wolves before Wolves play performance in a Wolves shirt that I've seen probably in a good 20 years or so against West Ham. Um, I, I kind of took it back when I sort of looked at the fact that he hasn't played for a long time and, you know, we sit, we sit at home and, you know, we expect these players to come in and do the job when maybe they're not quite match fit or they've been on the sidelines for a long time. We have to take it with a pinch of salt. So I kind of stepped back a bit. But then again, I looked at that first 20 minutes against Palace and he didn't want to know. He's been turned inside out, left, right and centre, all over the place by Elise, Zaha, any one of the Palace players that were, that were attacking in numbers. It looked like he weren't interested. Went down. I actually thought he'd fake the injury. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, he looked like... Say it again, sorry. That's very interesting. The, the way he went down, he wasn't old and he's groin. He, he, didn't, he didn't look in pain. He, looked, he, just looked, he hadn't even broke a sweat. He looked like he just wanted to come off. Um, and, and whether or not he has tweaked it and that's still lack of preparation or whatever but Bruno's come out absolutely livid you know he, he, and that's where kind of the conversation for me goes in terms of is there something wrong behind and I've had this conversation with a couple of Wolves fans and, and, and there is a general agreement that maybe something isn't quite right yes tactically Bruno has to take responsibility for the last three games 100% he has to the, 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 the selections the way we've lined up that the, the in-game tactics have not been good enough. It's been poor. Um, but just the things he's come out and said, that the way he threw Keanu Hoover under the bus, the way he spoke about how he's got too many kids that want it on a plate. Is that an indirect dig at the board for saying that he wanted players? He's been left with a load of kids that aren't ready. Yes. Um, so, so, JB, question number two in sort of this, yeah. this analysis of what what yeah. is maybe going wrong at Wolves really closely links to this. I'm basically looking for a reason as to how this has, not how this has happened, but why it's happened and why there's been such a drop-off maybe in, in atmosphere yeah. performance over the last three games. Um, is this due to a lack of squad depth and there are, namely the fullbacks, but there are certain points on the pitch that are being exposed at the moment due to a lack of depth? 100%, yeah. I mean, the big one is obviously the right wing back position, you know, I've always banged some of those, even early part of lockdown last year when we first started this part. Yeah, and I, I didn't rate him then at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I, I can see this boy's quality and, and he, he's outstanding. And and it is it is in coincidence that, that since his injury, we he came off against Arsenal when we were 1-0 up. Um, it is, it is, that isn't a coincidence. We've missed Ryan Aitnori at left-back. Um, he's been outstanding for the, all season. Um, obviously, he's took a knock. I, Marcel comes in and I love his endeavour. I love the fact that he's 100% committed. I think if every player took his attitude, we'd be in a better position because he does play with the passion. He puts 100% in, but he's limited in terms of what he can do. He's deliver he gets in good positions, but his deliveries are poor. He often gets exposed by any players with a bit of pace. Yeah. And he's prone to some rash decisions. Um, oh, listen, we've got the third best... Well, I don't know if we still have now, but we've, we've had the third best defence in the league up until the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure if that's still the case. Uh, we'll still be pretty close, I imagine, because they've not been heavy defeats as such. Um, but the, the defending on, on Sunday, were, sorry, on Saturday, was, was calamitous. It was comical. And whether or not that, that's a sign that we need to switch it up a little bit in that back three. I would love him, Kieran. I'll be honest with you. I'd love, to go, I'd love him now. And, and Esso articulated it a little bit better to me when we were chatting the other day. He's got nothing to lose now. We've hit 40 points. Champions League has gone. There's an outside chance if we put a little run together, we could be back in the European mix, right? I'd love him to put his own stamp on the rest of the season. He doesn't. He doesn't need to go back five now. With no, he doesn't need to. He can play a back four. He could bring Bolly in, who's obviously chomping at the bits. He's been on the bench the last few games. 
Um, and, you know, he could do a 4-2-3-1. He could do a, you know, he, he could bring in whatever he wants to bring in, a 4-3-3 of his own accords. However he wants to bring it, he's got nothing to, he doesn't have to carry on that Nuno burden where he was left with a squad of players that, that are drilled into it. We're safe. We're not in the Champions League. We've got an outside chance of Europe. Why not just go for it? Why not bring in that back four and utilise? Because we're more, we're blessed going forward. We're, we're blessed going forward. I say we're blessed going forward. You wouldn't think it looking at how many goals we've scored and um, the way we've been playing the last few weeks, to be honest. But the players we have got available, mate, should be doing better. And if the shackles are off a little bit, maybe we'll see that improve. The midfield area does worry me. Neves is still that one booking away from a, from a two-game ban. Um, you know, Moutinho looked, looked, looked leggy, leggy um, on, on Saturday. Um, you know, I know Luke Kundal has come in. To be fair, Luke Kundal come in, got a man of the match performance against Spurs. We haven't seen him since. <laughs> you know, there has been some strange yeah. decisions around, around some of his selections. So for me, Kieran, it's been, it's been an atrocious couple of weeks. It, it, we've gone from really sort of looking up and down to dream to kind of thinking, Christ, this season's going to fizzle out with, you know, it's, it's going to peter out with the, you know, the you know, boys have got the flip-flops on ready for the summer sort of thing. And it's disappointing. And it does, it, take, it takes the wind out your sails. And I, I remember, I think I said it to you. Did I, did I say it to you? Or, I can't remember. I remember saying, I really hope that last minute Arsenal winner doesn't knock the stuffing out of our season. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and as we stand now, it looks like it's done that. We've got a home game on Thursday night um, that, we are expected to win. Well, you know, yeah, I, because of when we're recording this, um, the Everton game isn't really our focus, but we have to mention it. So we may as well mention it now. Um, yeah. Everton play Wolves tomorrow. Everton are off the back of a 5-0 drubbing at, um, at Spurs. If there's a team you want to be playing at the moment, it's Frank Lampard, well, well, Everton. S- 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 sorry, Kit. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, I thought you said we got them Sunday. We got Everton Sunday. Oh, is the Everton game Sunday? I, why did I think Wolves have a double game week this week? We, 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 we have. We, we've got Watford, we got Watford at home on oh, Thursday. Oh, the other way around. Yeah, we got Watford at home Thursday, then Everton away on Sunday. My bad. Um, oh, okay, so you, no, it's okay. That, that makes more sense. So we'll come back to the Everton game. Um, yeah, yeah. This is so you've got a home game against what 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 yeah what Watford obviously five of the lives putting a spirited performance against um against against Arsenal at the weekend scored a couple of good goals, um but they're a team we should be expected to beat at home, and what we need to do is now we've had a terrible few games the performance have been negative, he's now got to for me, go out and put his stamp on what you know go go out and play the formation that he wants to play for the rest of the season. Then if it doesn't go right, because I had the board, look, that's the style of play I want to implement. But I need this. I need that. This is what I need. And almost expose the board, if you like. Not that I want internal politics, but for me, he, he can move away from the five at the back now. Okay. But, no, so- but if, what if he says, what if he say, does that? So he starts a 4-2-3-1 against what? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, then yeah. Lose, um, and then they lose against Everton and then they lose the next yeah. game. And yeah, all yeah. of a sudden... Yeah, six games without a win, for example. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Tearing down the barrel of losing his job because he wants to implement this style of play. The bat's going to scream to the board. If it, if that if he risked that and it didn't go well, that would scream to the board. Not okay. Let's start recruiting for him. It would be let's recruit another manager. If his style of play doesn't work and it only worked for him under Nuno's style of play, then maybe 
that kind of mold is what we need. I'm just playing devil's advocate, but it's it's a lot. Yeah. Even if you're safe, it's a lot to start all of a sudden overhauling your style of play um, just because you've hit 40 points. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, what I'm trying to say is, is that the, the five at the back and, and the, how negative we've been the last few weeks, it hasn't worked. T- teams are starting to suss us a little bit. You only have to look at Palace. Palace just absolutely... I and mean, they've done it twice this season, Palace have. They've done it twice. Sellers part that absolutely mullered us. And they've done it down at the Molyneux. You know, they, they had a free-for-all, honestly. And teams are starting to suss I it a little bit. I thought Palace were great. I thought they were great without the ball. Against mate, absolutely. Yeah. Mate, uh, th- th- we, not that it happened many times, but the, the couple of times we did break quickly, they got back in numbers. Like, they're a fit side, big, strong, fit side. And they exposed exactly what we're lacking, that box-to-box midfielders, you know, the, the clinicalness. Maybe not clinicalness in terms of, because the first goal was pathetic. Um, that and was then obviously funny. That's going to be a compilation. Yeah, a blue, pa- blue pass. Yeah. Absolute blue pass. Blue blooper, mate. But even the penalty was a blue. The build up to the penalty was full of bloopers. And the, it was pathetic. And, and Kilman tackle. Have, have oh, you ever seen such a stonewall penalty in life? Was, but it, but he just turned away. He, just, he didn't. He, he didn't even like try and try it on. He just turned away. He knew. I, like I it was. But that that tackle, coming back to that. Oh, they've been on the source night before. That tackle, how delayed it was. He looked pissed. It was a Sunday morning. It was a Sunday was, morning performance, it? Kieran. And yeah. that's why all 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 that that. Apocalypse stuff you saw on the time <laughs> the afternoon. Honestly, mate, it was the worst performance. And I'm and SO messaged me, so I keep referencing SO because we speak a lot. But he messaged me saying, What do you think it was worse than Burnley at home last year when Burnley tightened us 4 0? Oh, yeah. And I, th- I think it was. I wow. think it was. It was it was that bad that 45 minutes was. Um, and the second half, you know, the commentators go, Oh, yeah, Wolves have come out a different animal. Mate, you, you could have put Wolves under 11s out and, and they would have come out a different animal. Like, it was just, it was awful. And I get the point you're making about it's, it's quite a big risk to go in and just completely overhaul the style of play for, for the last few games because you've reached 40 points. I know what you're saying. And yeah. I know I probably sound a little bit extreme, so I take on board the exact point you're making. All I'm trying to say is that with no Samedo, with, with, with a rocky back, just, just, just utilise the plays that you've got. And for me... With no Samedo for at least, it's, it's touching the end of the season. I think it's four to eight weeks, which is quite a, a wide gauge, really, isn't it? I think they're giving him a bit of scope. You know, for me, you, you, I'd be looking at going to a back four, not not just to overhaul the style of play, just to utilise the plays we've got outfield, because we're not blessed, particularly in the middle of the park. We've got more players going forward. So, the, like a four-two-three-one for me um, is the solution in terms of the plays we've got available. And I just think it will give us a different dimension. Whether or not he does, whether or not he sticks with that back three slash five, however you want to word it, I don't know. But yeah, I don't know, mate. It's just been a really difficult couple of weeks to swallow. All doesn't seem particularly well behind the scenes in terms of Bruno's demeanour in front of the media. Um, but we've got... <laughs> it's a big but because you've touched on the, on Everton's form. They've just got slapped 5-0, which is the exact kind of game Wolves will go and lose. <laughs> to be honest with you, that, that, that has got that has got Everton two Wolves nil and all over it, um, hundred percent. But we've got t- on the back of, of a really bad run of games results. Sorry, we've got two games really that if you could handpick, you would. You know, to, to you know, yes, they're fighting for their lives, but in terms of Watford at home and a team who, who last night struggled to, pass, to put three passes together, um, you, you would cherry pick those. 
but that that doesn't mean anything in this day and age, Kieran, as, as you well know. Um, and and it's and it's it, it it's yeah, big week actually, big week for different reasons. Whereas the, it's been a big week for us in terms of our aspirations in pre in the last couple of weeks. This for me is a big week in terms of where we are at as a team, where Bruno is at as a manager, and where our potential short-term future lies really in terms of what Bruno wants to do and what he needs. Yeah, well, the, the last question I had on on the recent Wolves performances, so, uh, you know, we've mentioned um, have they crumbled under the pressure or is it a lack of squad depth? Um, and then something you touched on, is it merely a regression to the mean in terms of performance level and are they now getting the the results that the perform their performances this season have merited? Um could be that it's difficult to tell. Again, you can't you can't judge this on a three game period. But on the whole season, Wolves have collected far more points than any uh, reliable XG metric would, or sorry, XG model would um, predict them to. There are loads of mitigating factors, but at the end of the day, um, some people will say this was coming, and Bruno yeah. Large, Bruno Large's Wolves aren't as impressive as. Um, it might, their league position might might suggest, but uh, that this is going to be one to keep our, our eyes on over the next, as you say, JB, over the next few weeks and see where Bruno's Wolves are at. Because, um, it, yeah, I don't want to read too much into three games lost. The same way you don't want to read um, too much into, for example, the three games Wolves lost at the start of the season, where they were yeah. where they were registering so many shots and whatever, and then that didn't really yeah, yeah. turn out to be the Wolves. That, that came to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to you know characterize this season uh, and I don't want to do that here either but as I said the data suggested this might have been coming you, you said we've mentioned it on the pod before but yeah want to keep our eyes on and see um yeah. you know if, if wolves, either if wolves can increase their performance level or if this will continue and wolves will will struggle to get the points um as their sure. as their xg stats might suggest yeah um, Shall we talk about a win? Yeah, mate. It felt like a while. <laughs> I did not think we'd be doing this this week. <laughs> uh, if, um, if that was too cryptic, listeners, West Bromwich Albion won a football match. We beat Hull. Not the most formidable of opponents, but it's a win. And there were genuinely a lot of positives. Like we can we can laugh, but there were there were things to take from that performance that were really really promising. Albion started well, which was a, a real staple of the early Ishmael reign. Albion would start games well and really suffocate opponents, and I think we did that and we pressed very well. Um, so if there's any legacy from the Ishmael era, it's maybe that that pressure without the ball. Main thing was the change of system. For Albion, they went back to a back three. We've seen it once under Steve Bruce, and we were okay against Luton, to be honest. When we saw that, probably could have been one or two up at half time in that game, but ended up losing it. Um, here we were the better side, um, and I would be gobsmacked if we moved back from a back three, uh, slash back five, whatever we want to call it. Uh, I think the wing backs, Connor Townsend and Darnell Furlong, are better in this system. I think the centre-backs are far more comfortable in this system. And to see Shemi Ajayi, who also got an assist in this game, uh, sorry, didn't get an assist in this game. Uh, created a, a really dangerous chance in this game, we should say, which eventually led to Albion's goal. Um, to see him bombing on on one side and Matt Clark on the other side is really, really refreshing. Um, it's really nice to see because 
Cedric Kipre, who has, he is clearly not fancied by Steve Bruce, uh, Cedric Kipre always looked like a liability in that back three when he was there under Ishmael. So I'm really pleased to see Shemi Ajayi, who's, incidentally, who's drop, dropping from the team really did coincide with Albion's drop in form. Our problems weren't defensive, so it, um, there's no real correlation. But it's funny, I, I reckon Shemi Ajayi's record this season is a lot better than... Albion's record this season, if that makes sense. Uh, when he yeah, 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 sure. tend to play well. Uh, main benefit of the system, though, was we had three in the midfield. Uh, we've seen Bruce go with 4-3-3 and we've looked really unorganised at the back. And we've seen, and with Reach and with um, with Reach and with Malumbi, we, we've looked anonymous in the middle of the park. But this system now allows us to play with that midfield three and with the inclusion of Jake Livermore back from suspension, um, who, on the subject of um, of managers digging their players out, called uh, Steve Bruce called Jake Livermore a prick in a press conference this week, which really made me laugh after the game. He said... Uh, <laughs> He said he owed us one uh, after getting sent off like a prick in his first game, in charge, <laughs> which I quite liked. Um, so he he was on the naughty step like Keanu Hoover. Uh, but yeah, so to see Livermore doing what he's actually really good at at the level and sitting in front of that back four, breaking up play, using his energy and his reading of the game and his aggression in a in a positive way with Moat and with Taylor Gardner Hickman either side of him is really really um, promising. And if we can keep that first choice midfield three. There's not many teams uh, in the championship who 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 I'd say we haven't got a chance of beating. I'd, I'd say we're going into games competitive. But with Adam Reach and Jason Malumbi in there, I'm looking at it thinking, well, what? we're just going to get outplayed in midfield. Your Fulhams, your Bournemouths are probably still going to outplay you in midfield. Blackburn as well, who are very good with the ball, Swansea. Um, but yeah, to see that midfield three, it feels a lot more balanced. Last thing on the system is with the two strikers, uh, on this occasion it was Carlin Grant and Callum Robinson. Not mad on that, but yeah. not the worst selection in the world either. Daryl DK and Carlin Grant is going to be really exciting. Um, yeah. that, that, a finisher and, well, it's, it's big man, little man, isn't it? But yeah, yeah, sure. You know, with DK and Carl and Grant, who are both dangerous, um, I think that that could be really fruitful. And Andy Carroll has been relegated to Plan B, which is interesting. It, we struggle with Andy Carroll. One thing I heard this week, uh, and it's nail on the head, is um, on the Express and Stars West Brom podcast, uh, the Baggies broadcast, which is really, really good. People listening to this, I'm sure, know of that podcast. Um, they spoke about Andy Carroll's lack of mobility and how he sort of papers over the cracks with enthusiasm, and I think that's 100% right. Um, yeah. Andy Carroll's done a lot right, but he hasn't really come close to scoring. The only chance he had, really, was um, at 2-0 down against Luton, where he hit the bar. He is never in the box. He's never looking dangerous. And he, without a strike partner... I think he looks isolated. Yes, he's got a great first touch, but he looks really isolated. So I think as a plan B, he might work quite well. But yeah, if this system's going to allow us a midfield three, it's going to allow our centre-backs to be more comfortable and it's going to allow our front two to be DK and Grant, then I'm I'm on board with the system and it, you know, it, it, it bore fruit in its first outing. So that's good. Um, again, on the, on the subject of Livermore, one thing I spoke about last week, JV, cut me off at any point here because I'm well aware I'm rambling. No, um, no, no. On the subject of Livermore, we spoke last week about a lack of leadership in the dressing room and I was quite, I listened listen back to it, but it took me a long time to go back and listen because I was genuinely done this time last week. That's how quick football changes. 
Uh, and I spoke about the lack of leadership. Who in that dressing room is going to set that example? And I said, nobody sets that example. And I still think because of his disciplinary record, Jake Livermore hasn't set a good example this season. But you can just see on the pitch and you hear it. All, you know, all the right noises come out of the camp. Jake Livermore is a leader and he does set a good example. And crucially, Steve Bruce trusts him. He knows him from yeah. early in his career. He's been waiting for him to come back in the side. We've changed the system to basically get the best out of well, get the best out of the squad, but get the best out of Livermore as well in that in that holding role. And I think that Jake Livermore could be a really pivotal player with a point to prove in this last sure. two games. Last thing I want to touch on on Albion um, was a question from Max. Um, Max has been on the podcast before um, and he asked, with this win, is there any chance of reigniting a playoff push or should Albion focus on next season? JB, it's tough for me to be objective in this situation because I think, I think it's very easy to get either too high or too low on your own team. Yeah. What do you think? It's amazing what one win can do and it's amazing what one, how, how it changes the table. Um, you, did you check the table I- full time? Uh, I can't remember. I've looked at the table since. I can't. Yeah, I, I had a look. As soon as, soon as we went two to look, I had a look, I've got to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've kept, because the thing is, it, it's difficult at the moment because there's a lot of teams with games in hand. And so yeah. it's hard to get a real, I mean, Bournemouth are different because you're not going to cast them anyway. But Bournemouth have got like four or five games in hand over everyone. Oh. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what, they've had COVID issues or cup runs. I don't know why, but the, the weather and is, COVID and a cup run, yeah. yeah yeah, so they're, they're, but they don't really count. But in terms of, I looked and I think you are technically six points off the playoffs as we stand, um, which um, I think it's six, I'm sure it is. It is six, yeah. It is six. Yeah, and then obviously there's, there's, there's quite a few games tonight where teams are going to get take the game in answer, Sheffield United, Forest, uh, Middlesbrough. I know a lot of them are playing each other. Um, and things like that. So some big games tonight, actually, which could shape the table a little bit. Um, I think the likelihood is by the time the games have evened out, you're probably going to be seven points off the playoffs. That would be, if I was to, if I was a betting man, I'd say Sheffield United will beat Middlesbrough. Uh, that means QPR will then drop into six, I think. Um, I think there's a couple of teams above you have got games in hands, but they just that they don't really matter. In essence, you, you got to look at who's six. I yeah. think QPR could be six by the end of the week. That would be my guess. And I, th- and I think that would be seven points. Um, it, 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 it's doable. It, of course it is. You know, if, if Wolves are in your situation, would I be writing it off or would I be looking at it going, we can do this? Absolutely. I'll be looking at it saying we can do this. You, do you know what I mean? Seven, seven points is, is, is a three result turnaround which is quite a lot because a lot of the teams above you, as I've said for weeks and weeks, are banging form. Teams just don't seem to be dropping points apart from when they play each other. That, that's what I've noticed in the championship. The teams, that the top eight, eight, nine teams in the championship, they all seem to be winning every week apart from when they play each other. Then one of them takes points off each other. And that's going to make it difficult for you to, to catch. But, but strange things have happened. You've got to play a lot of their teams. You know, you, you've got Fulham. Tough game, obviously. You've got Bournemouth, you've got Uddersfield on, on Friday night. Yeah, um, you know, you have got some tough teams yeah. coming up, but you've turned the corner now a little bit. At least I'm not saying you're gonna go and win 80% of your last last uh, games. I, I'm not suggesting that, but 
It's amazing what a win does for confidence. It's amazing when you look at the table, actually, a couple of results here and there, you, you're right in the mix. And there's always a team that, 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 that comes up out the blue at the very end. That always is every year. You know, could Albion be that team? It's a long shot, but stranger things have happened. Um, I've probably dilly-dallied around, around your question. <laughs> I, can only answer, I, I can only answer from, from a Wolves perspective. And if it was Wolves, we'd been on a rotten run of form under a new manager. And then we got a win against, yeah, at least in a weak and pretty poor whole team. But you still got to go and get get the win. Neither of us thought you'd go and get the win. Um, and then all of a sudden that gap goes from potentially 11 or 10 points, what it was, down to six or seven. Would I be looking at it going, do you know what? Let's go for it. Absolutely, I would. Um, it's tough, but, you know, why not? Why not? I, th- I think I think, I think, think a lot of it will be turned by the next few weeks. I think, like I say, you keep, the teams above have got to uh, take the games in hand, see where you stand at that point. Big game Friday night. I think if you can get, get oh, yeah. three points, um, if, you, if you can get three points Friday night, that puts the pressure on your QPRs, on your Forest, on your Middlesbrough. Because I'll be thinking, hang on a second. You know, they've suddenly got six points out of nowhere, this team have, and suddenly they're within three, four points of us. Um, you know, yeah, you've got to play, you've got to play Fulham, Bournemouth, you've got a, lo- you've got a, you've got a local derby against Blues. So, yeah, I've got some tough games coming up. I, I get that. But I think I think three points Friday could really turn your season around. I really do. Um yeah. yeah, it's yeah, his last chance saloon, isn't it, really, for Albion yeah, on Friday? Yeah. Uh, but the, the yeah. upside of winning on Friday is massive because obviously we'll play before anyone else this weekend. That's, if we win that's that, the... it plants that seed. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very much in the camp of uh, it's too little, too late in, in response to Max's question. But I agree with you totally that this next... Well, the next two games, to be honest, because if we... I'm not expecting us to beat Fulham regardless of the performance we put in against Huddersfield. But if we beat Fulham, there might be a slightly... Sorry, if we beat Huddersfield, there might be a slightly better turnout for the Tuesday night game against uh, Fulham than there has been recently. Might be a bit of atmosphere. Albion fans turning up, believing. Um, which, and these are, We haven't had a positive atmosphere at home in ages. So these things yeah. could, could help. And that's how the, these, these late runs are built. But as you say, it's a really pivotal game on Friday. In terms of previewing the game on Friday, uh, I will be speaking later in the podcast um, to a friend of mine who is a Huddersfield Town fan who covers... Um, well, covers a multitude of football clubs, to be honest, but covers football uh, and commentates, and you can also find him on podcasts. Um, you can find him at Twitter, uh, sorry, on Twitter, at Cam Pope Sport, and you'll hear from Cam a little bit later on in the podcast uh, for all things Huddersfield Town. Um, I'm happy to shelf Albion for there because we're going to come back to Albion and Huddersfield a bit later on for a bit of a feature. So, JB, before we go back to Wolves, um, just to break up the conversation... You're having a dinner sure. party. Come dine with me. There's four of you yeah. on the table. You can extend three invites. Which three Wolves players, past or present, are you inviting? Oh, good question. Past or present? Um, well, Ruben Neves will be first at the table. Why is he? No. Is he? Is he bringing the wine? Just to look at. Yep, fair just enough. To look at, just, just to look at him and just stare. So he's bringing the eyes. entertainment. Um. Do you know what? It, it's difficult because there's some real good characters. Oh, that's a great question. I'd have to. Connor Cody's got to come because I bet he, he'd be a right laugh. You'd have a bout. He'd, he'd be a right laugh. Um, oh, I, I, as much as I'd like Jose Sar to come because he looks an absolute nutter. 
Um, and apparently he's like an absolute crazy bloke, like really, really funny. The players love him. I don't want to go easy and, and, and just choose three players in the existing squad. Um, but Neves is going to come and, and bring bring the Portuguese red. Uh, Connor Cody's going to come because he's just just a top, top bloke. And I'd love to spend a, few, a bit of time with him because I think he'd be amazing. <laughs> um, so I'm, 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 I'm going to I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to go deep. I'm going to go past. Who, who's a Wolves hero that you love to pick the brains of? Obviously, you've you know the irony is you you would have met, rubbed shoulders with work. I was, 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 was going to say anyway. I, yeah, I, we haven't we haven't done this to work at Wolves Claxon for a while, have we? Wah, wah. No, we haven't yet. Um, we haven't done that for a while. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of good good lads there when I worked there. Some really good good lads, like really you would you would happily spend a few hours with around the table, like Carl Henry, Matt Jarvis, Michael Kiteley, Andy Keogh. You know, there were some top, top players there that were, that I, I, I worked with in a professional capacity and that they were great, great guys. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of the 90s, someone who like I looked up to as a kid in the 90s. I wouldn't say this is me. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, a lot of Wolves fans say bully, but I knew bully personally. So I've kind of spent time with him professionally anyway. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose bully. Um, Huge name drop there. Addy, yeah, I had his number in my mobile and everything, mate. Wow. I'd speak to Bully on the phone. Yeah. Um, to, 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 I'm trying to think when I was a kid. I'm, I'm, I want to go back to the 90s when I was a kid, who I absolutely idolised. Um, there was a lot of player turnover in the wall, so I was probably quite fickle as a kid because <laughs> there was a lot of player turnover. <laughs> um, who did I used to love? As a wall, do you know who I did used to love? Who I would love to Mickey Mickey Stahl, the goalkeeper. Okay, Mickey Stahl. Um, because I used to love, I used to love, I used to love being in goal. Even though I've played John like when you play three in and stuff with your mates, I used to love taking my turn in goal. And that I'd always have the Wolves goalkeeper kit for Christmas. <laughs> um, and I've seen videos of Mickey Stahl in, in the I've seen videos of him. Uh, with a guy called Foss, who's the old press man, press officer at Wolves, who's sadly passed away now. Um, and, and they did like a tribute to him and, and Mickey, Mickey Stahl was in some of the old videos with him and he seems a great character and um, I think he's Leicester goalkeeper coach now, Mickey Stahl is. So yeah, so I'd, I'd go Mickey Stahl, Ruben Neves, Connor Cody, they'd be my three. Lovely, nice evening. Can, 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 can I flip it on you? You can. Nice you know, I really should have thought about this, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't. Go on then. Um, go on then. Off the okay, off. in terms of, right, okay, so going back to, you know, you ask yourself, who did I idolise yeah, growing yeah. up? Uh, first name I'm throwing out is Jason Kumas, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Firstly, yeah. because he was my hero when I was growing up. But secondly, he's proper off the grid. Like okay. nobody's, nobody's seen or heard from him in years. So I think that would be, be a really it, good one. He must be shacked up with David Batty. Apparently David Batty's off the grid somewhere. You can't <laughs> find him or something, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is, but yeah, Jason Kumas is just gone. Like you can't get for an interview yeah. or anything. So I <laughs> definitely have Jason Kumas. Um, I would be tempted... To say, I'd be tempted to say, obviously with this past and present thing, a lot of people throw the living or dead. I'd be tempted to say Laurie Cunningham because I think his story is so unique, obviously way before my time. But um, obviously he played for England. He, as a black player, which just was so rare at the time, he went and played for Real Madrid. He played for Man United. Like what a storied career. And he was made, uh, obviously, Leighton Orient originally, but Albion, and that, I think uh, for his story, it's just amazing. So I'd love to, I'd love to pick his brains. Um, last one, then, who would I say? I'm trying to think of a more recent 
Albion here. There's no one in the current squad. Um, yeah, yeah. Not interested. Oh, Slaven Bilic. There you go. I'd go Slaven Bilic all yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's an yeah, interesting yeah. table. Slaven Bilic, Jason Kumas, and Laurie Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> Other than Albion, I don't know what we'd talk about, but there you go. Yeah, yeah. They'd be Very my good. three, I reckon. Um, right then, JB. A word very quickly on Watford, um, and by a word I mean score prediction because this is going to be out of date by the time a lot of people listen to. Yeah. Go ahead, JB. Oh, I'll keep it short and sweet, mate. It, it's listen. I, I, as, as it, it, I'm going against the grain in terms of what I feel inside because if I'm honest with you, I worry about these next two games. I really do. Um, just, just the form we're in. Um, just, just a feeling around the club at the moment just doesn't sit right, which is crazy because. I had this conversation with a few people at Stoke at, at my work, and obviously they're mainly Stoke and Port Vale fans. When they hear me talk in this way, they're like, "What planet are you on? You eight in the Prem, like?" But a bit of a, and sometimes you'd have to step back and what have you. But you, you, you speak as you see, and you speak as, as the mo- in the moment that you're living in. And this is the moment we're living in now, where the expectations are quite high, um, and it just something doesn't quite sit right with me at the moment. But the games that worry me, but we're at home. I'd love to see it as a chance to, to, to put a few things right, make a bit of a statement against a team that do ship goals um, that are in the bottom three for a reason. Um, Much more organised so, under Roy Hodgson, though. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, I, 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 I still think we should. Dare the, these are the kind of games. If we'd have, if we'd have just come out of, of, of beat, if we'd have just beat Arsenal and West Ham and, and drew with Palace for argument's sake, would God, would that have been a dream? Um, you know, we'd be looking at this game going, right, we've got to we've got to go and smash these. You know, this is these these are games now where we where we consolidate and push on. So I I'm, I'm gonna say, look, we're at home. I really want us to prove a point. I really want Bruno to prove a point. So I'm gonna go two two one to Wolves uh, on Thursday. Um and then I'll be honest with you, I've I've got to be honest, Sunday worries me because this is the type of game where Wolves just literally we 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 if there's teams that can't score or haven't scored for five games, they'll score against Wolves. If there's teams that haven't won for eight games and they're playing Wolves in the ninth game, they'll beat Wolves. It, it's always been the way, you know, if a striker hasn't scored for 15 games and he's playing Wolves in his 16th game, he'll score against Wolves. It's it's just the way. Um, and it, it worries me Sunday, it does. And so I, I'm, I'm going to quickly, because we won't be recording before Sunday, will we? It'll be afterwards? Yeah, it'll be after, yeah. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go for... Uh, a, a, a slight 1-0 loss and I hate predicted losses I really do but it's just a kind of game that worries me mate if I'm honest yeah so Watford you fancy a win uh, score yeah. on that one JB 2-1 two, two, sorry 2-1 two, one, one. sorry yeah uh, and then 1-0 yeah. loss on Sunday I interestingly yeah. I, I'm going to go the other way around I think Watford oh, okay. fighting for their life I think I fancy Watford um, yeah. not to necessarily win the game but get something from it uh, I'm going to go I'm going to go nil-nil. Okay. I'm going to go nil-nil on Thursday. Yeah. And hopefully, um, Joseph Saar gets me some fantasy football points for a clean sheet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then on Sunday, I think Bruno will eat um, Frank Lampard for breakfast tactically. That makes no sense grammatically or like linguistically, but there you go. Yeah, yeah. Eat Frank Lampard for breakfast grammatically. It'll have him on grammatical, uh, grammatical toast. It'll have him on tactical grammatical toast. Grammatical toast. Yeah. Tactical toast. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> tactically, it'll outdo him, regardless of if that yeah. makes sense grammatically. Yeah. It'll have, it'll, I hope so. Yeah. I, I think um, Bruno will, if they don't start the game better than Everton, I think Bruno will have the in game 
ability to. I, I really want. To, I really want to be proven wrong on that point. I hate yeah. predicting losses. And I hate having that negative mindset. But they are just the kind of games that, as Wolves fans, worry us. So I, I try and speak from the heart. But I, I really hope you're right, and I will happily yeah, sit, sit here next week and say, "Yeah, I called that one wrong." With we, yeah. this pleasure. I'm going to go for a 0-0 in the Watford game and a 2-1 Wolves win in the Everton game. Okay. That's how I'm seeing it. Yeah. Um, we are now going to join uh, Cam, uh, who again you can find on Twitter at Cam Pope Sport, uh, for a deep dive on West Bromwich Albion against Huddersfield. As we've said already, is a massive, massive game in the context of Albion's season. So sit back, Albion fans, and enjoy the next 10-15 minutes deep dive on our opponents this Friday night. So I am joined now by Cameron. Uh, you can find him once again at Cam Pope Sport on Twitter. He is a Huddersfield Town um, aficionado. Like this man loves Huddersfield Town. Um, you can see behind him. Um, obviously, we don't share the video of the podcast, but I can see behind him wall to wall Huddersfield Town memorabilia. This man is a is a proper Huddersfield Town fan. Uh, also a fan and a um, commentator of football as well. Um, strange sentence, but that's true. Uh, Cam, it's a pleasure to have you on and pick your brains, all things Huddersfield and general football. How are you, my man? I'm good, thank you. Thank you, Kieran. I've been uh, I've been looking forward to sort of coming on this. We tried to get something in the pipeline when we met last year um, in the league, coming to the end of last year. Uh, and so, no, it's nice. It's nice in, in anticipation of our two great teams uh, going head-to-head again. Um, in, in altogether different circumstances and circumstances I'm sure neither of us uh, could have foreseen. It's nice to uh, to come on here and, 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 and spread the love. Although, obviously given that we're recording this in the wake of, of a game we're going to be talking about given last yeah. night I'm not sure I could profess to being so in love with my football team anymore yeah uh, there's a lot to love it, about Huddersfield at the moment though relatively speaking <laughs> well you can say that again there is I know it's yeah. uh, and there's so much to talk about really it's it, and it's always nice to go and talk to, to to fans of other clubs about your team but especially when it's Huddersfield because it's not you know it's not a glamorous team to support it's not a particularly glamorous part of the world um and so it's one that often gets overlooked when it comes to it comes to tv and um we don't have this fabled story behind us of say i don't know making european finals or um you know we don't have a recent history that lends itself to that and so it's quite nice when people take notice as they have this season as they did a few years ago when you can come on and you can talk a little bit about them yeah, absolutely. Um, just to give a little bit of context to um, the last time Cam and I saw each other, it was uh, Huddersfield away for Albion. Um, I travelled up on the Friday night, stayed with Cam and we went out in Leeds and it was fantastic weekend in spite of the football. Uh, but my expectations of where Albion would be round about now and my expectations of where Huddersfield would be round about now have essentially been flipped on their head. Um, what a run Huddersfield have been on and what a dreadful run Albion have been on. But Cam, I just sort of speaking generally about the season, um, how, how does this match up to the expectations that yourself and a lot of Huddersfield fans would have had at the start of the season? And also, what are the revised expectations? Where can you go from here? Well, as for the first part of that question, you know, how it compares to what we what we expected to happen at the beginning of the season. It, it thoroughly surpasses them. Um, I think most people 
inside and outside the club had us down for relegation candidates. Uh, if not favourites, I don't quite let, I don't quite agree with the, the the fact that we were you know good money to go down. I think that okay, we I wouldn't say we had a glittering squad, but um, I do think there's worse teams in this division, and that's been reflected in it. Um, and so to put to put it into context, the best way I can put it into context is that when we found out that Derby were going to have a points deduction, the immediate reaction to that in Huddersfield was great. That's one of the three places probably filled. That's <laughs> just a third less likely to go down. Um, and so obviously, you know, it's it, it's very it's it, it's a it's very very little. Um, so you know, for anyone who's not got a league table in front of them, like we do, they're second in the, we're second in the league. We played more games than anyone else. Um, Preston, we both played thirty six games games now we've not had anything off so everyone else is in a sense playing catch-up however I always say at this part of the season it's um it's better it's a better currency to have points on the board than than games in hand um so we are actually second now one place ahead of Bournemouth one point ahead of Bournemouth they have four games in hand um at at that time of recording I I imagine when most people listen to this will be three um and so we but we play Bournemouth um the week before the international break so there's, it's hanging in the balance. We're still massively underdogs to, to go get top two. We'd have to probably win every game from now to the end of the season. Maybe drop, maybe drop what two points. Um, I mean, well, I think playoffs now is now the revised minimum expectation because you know we, we've opened up such a gap between ourselves and that chasing pack. And I think okay, it's close in terms of points, but the number of teams in there makes me think that we have to we have to be the ones to, that that if anyone could pull away, it has to be us. So. Um, yes, it, for us now not to make the playoffs would be unthinkable uh, as a minimum. And I did not think I would be saying that. Um, well, having fought against relegation for two seasons, it, it's a welcome change. And you can definitely draw parallels to, to how it was um, in the 16-17 season on the Wagner um, when we got promoted then. Yeah, absolutely. And if you did make the playoffs, Cam, um, one thing we've laughed about in the past is how... Tell me about Huddersfield Town's playoff record, which in a way is very successful, but tell me about it, Cam. I knew I knew exactly what you were going to say. And so uh, we have the dubious record. And in fact, I'd love to say we have the only record for this, but we actually shared it with Blackpool. Um, we have been promoted from the basement division of the Football League right to the very top, to the Premier League, of course, um, three times we've gone up through the divisions and each time that's been done in the playoffs. And if that wasn't enough, it's been done in the playoffs, nil-nil in the final without scoring a goal and winning on penalties. And if that's not the most nerve wracking way to do it, then I, oh, I, I bet I, it is. I've, yeah. It, I've been to four playoff finals with Huddersfield Town, Kieran. I've been to three different grounds, Millennium, Old Trafford, Wembley. Uh, I've never seen us score a goal in any of them. <laughs> and yet I've seen us win three. So amazing. <laughs> One of my housemates asked me, you know, do you not want a bit of an armchair fan? He was like, do you not want, you know, the glory of Wembley if you if you do go up? I said, no, like I want the peace and quiet of just sneaking the back door in second. I don't care about a league title or anything like that. You know, yeah. the fact that you can actually go up without two weeks of heartache and spending two hundred pound getting to London is like is alien to me. So uh, no, yeah. I'd love it, but if if we're gonna do it, it's it's probably going to be via the playoffs. But that is the minimum expectation now. Yeah, speaking as someone who also has had the playoff heartache um, at Wembley and in the semis or gone up through the back door is the far less stressful way to do it. Mm. Um, but do you get the same level of enjoyment though? That's my question. No, I, I, no I, I enjoyed the playoffs when we <laughs> when we were playing Villa in the playoffs in 18-19. Um, that was the most enjoyment and the most emotional investment I've had in an Albion um, end of season in a long time. Obviously, the season we went up uh, and Brentford sort of didn't catch us. 
we so that would be 1920 we had the covid interruption and we weren't there as fans which made mm. which makes a big difference to be honest so in terms of which way would I rather go up I, I always my dad is my football mate he's, he's who I've always gone to the games with and we've always said that's the way to go up uh, but this is he's talking when I speak about that I've never seen Albion go up to the playoffs so I don't know what I'm talking about and he's, <laughs> he's seen us go up to the championship beating Port Vale in 1993 um, but we're always like, that's the way to go up that's the way to go up so speaking from experience mm. I don't know uh, but I would mm. like I would like to go up through the playoffs if we go up if we meet in the, if we meet in the playoffs at the end of the season we're going to have to dig out this conversation you know and replay uh, it. this is going to this is going to be I know yeah, sadly Sadly, unless we win on Friday night, there's no chance of that happening, if I'm honest. Mm. So mm. We'll, uh, we'll see. Mm. So as you alluded to, dramatic turnaround um, for town. And last season and start of this season, relegation was a buzzword. This season, not even entering um, the minds of Huddersfield fans. What has Carlos Corbran managed to do in terms of playing style, formation, um, players to watch? What's he managed to do? What's he managed to build this season that's made you so effective? It's a really difficult question to answer because looking on the outside in, there's, there's, there is no obvious solution um, to the problems we had last season. And off the field as well, we've had so much turmoil in the fact that we've changed owners. Yeah, you, owner you've you've gone back to your, your old owner, is that right? That's right. So our original owner, the one with whom we went up to the Premier League, was called Dean Hoyle. He's a local local businessman who basically sold card factory for um, for, for I think about 150 million pounds. He, uh, he he bankrolled us to the well, I say bankrolled. It's not really the 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 word for for a relatively small budget, but he paved the way to get us to the Premier League. He then gave up the majority stake to a man called Phil Hodgkinson. This is just a quick part of history of the last couple of years. He um, owned legal firms, said legal firms. Two of them went out of business recently, I think, as a layover from the COVID pandemic. And um, he couldn't afford to keep running the club, is is, is, is how it seems. And so there was a, a clause in the contract that handed the club back to Dean, and that's where we are now. So all this has gone off in the background. You think it's not conducive to great football. And when this was starting to rumble around, we thought, great, this is just going to put the team off. And it didn't. So what I can imagine it is, is I think it's actually just a benefit of time. Um, Carlos Carberan now has had the chance to bed in and, and, and invest his own ideas without investing too much money. And um, they are just a really well-drilled team. It's as if we've got a system now, a system that I still think could be improved as well. Um, but we've got set formations. We know we know our best team, which is something that never really happened last year. And so what you can expect to see from Huddersfield is we do play around with the system a little bit, but it tends to be something like a, a, a variety of either a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-2-1 formation. Depending on how many strikers we're going to be playing, um, obviously we've brought in it's the Christmas tree. That, by the way, the Christmas tree, indeed, indeed, indeed. One that's going to stretch on way into May, or so I hope. But um, <laughs> what you often see is um, using wide players to quickly move the ball the channels down the, down the field as you see for a lot of teams now but Huddersfield have managed to do that really effectively um, because they brought in Sorba Thomas um, now he was a man who was at Boreham Wood he was brought in last season um, and I think there was some remuneration to Boreham Wood but it's in the terms of hundreds of thousands of pounds you know it's it, it's 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 almost comical how good he is for the transfer fee that was paid or the add-ons that have been paid um, a fantastic player um, rightfully got his Wales call up hasn't been on it 
the whole of the season does does tend to drift, but is imperious best. He's as good as any winger um, in this league. Um, fullbacks are also a massive thing for Huddersfield Town, and it's interesting because one of the best fullbacks of last season, Peeper, um, has been injured up until a few weeks ago. And he's still not at um, match fitness. Um, Harry Toffolo, however, who's plays on the left-hand side, he's definitely one to watch. He's got a mean cross on him. He gets the ball into advanced areas and he always chips in with a few goals as well. Um, but I don't think it's even the system perhaps that's 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 completely turned our fortunes around. I think it's just uh, the standout key players. Another of those is uh, Tom Lees, who obviously is an experienced championship centre-half. Yeah. Um, he he came in uh, on a free after leaving Sheffield Wednesday. He has scored Huddersfield Town's last three goals. He's um, he's a goal-scoring centre-back, really, in every sense of the word. Someone that is often seen sporting a blooded headband because he's happy to throw himself into challenges. He's <laughs> had a, more than his fair share of knocks, a bit of a Terry Butcher. Um, and I think, however, the you know I could I could I could wax lyrical about players like Lewis O'Brien that people who followed the championship for a few years will know all about anyway. They know that these are good players, but I could talk for hours about him. But the probably the one man who is, has shored us up more than anything, and I think he was had more of an impact than any uh, system change, uh, any formation, anything like that, is the goalkeeper Lee Nichols. So he was brought in on a free from MK Dons at the. Um, start of the season and goalkeeper was an area we really struggled in last season we had Ben Hamer who um, a former Leicester backup goalkeeper mainly um, no disrespect to him um, but he really struggled for form initially and then last season he started to pick it up and he became something of a force I think he was really helped by the fact there were no crowds in um, then I, the, the general consensus was that he was moved to get him off the wage books because he went, he became, he was injured, and uh, a young local lad called Ryan Schofield went in there, and bless him, a lovely, lovely lad, um, and hopefully one day a very good goalkeeper. I'm not sure whether he was quite ready for that introduction yet, um, and he really struggled, really struggled as well, um, and so it never instills confidence in your defence. Um, a young lad who seemed to be frightened as he would be of making a mistake, um, having Nichols come in complete command of his area not afraid to get himself involved in um gamesmanship like tactics let's just say uh he's a surefire yellow card yeah was it was it Nichols that was in goal in the game the Albion Huddersfield game earlier in the season yes I'm pretty yeah because sure town, town scored after five minutes and then there was plenty of that <laughs> going on uh, as there would be if Albion had scored in the first five minutes as well. To be mm, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not that I'm advocating betting too much, but but ten pound on on Lee Nichols to be yellow carded when you're playing the side below you in the table is is which is most teams for us now, is um, is always <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. pretty sure fire. So yeah. um, and in fact, I've actually got the I've, I've got the um, I've got the um, lineups from from last night's game as we're recording this from Forest against Huddersfield. And what do I see next to uh, Lee Nichols' uh, name? A little yellow card. So that proves it. So <laughs> covered a lot in that little that little spiel, but um, absolutely meant to watch Lee Nichols, the goalkeeper, unlikely candidate, but definitely an unsung hero. Brilliant. I think that um, the main thing I hear about Town is they have been really really well drilled this season and it's it's showing and you know the proof is in the pudding they're, they're sitting second in the league uh, rather than any anything other other than Sorber Thomas and Lewis O'Brien that and the goal scoring run that Danny Ward was on there's nothing really that sets town apart you know they haven't got a Mitrovic they haven't got a Solanke they've not got these flair players um 
but it is about being well drilled. And I think knowing your best team, as you alluded to, is so important in the championship. You can't play the same team every week because it's 46 games. But that consistency when the games come thick and that thick and fast is so important. And we spoke earlier in the pod about Albion having possibly stumbled upon their best uh, system and best 11 at the moment that we're going to need for the last 11 games of the season if we've got any chance of reigniting a playoff push. Um, on on the subject of, of Huddersfield and sort of how you got to where you got, um, yes, culminating in a loss last night, which has ended it, but you were on an, an amazing unbeaten run. Was it 12 unbeaten, Cam? Well, eight, 18 in all competitions. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was it was the longest in England. Um, and of course, it was just us in Liverpool who continued the year unbeaten, which is incredible when you think about it. Our last defeat came uh, against Middlesbrough, which I'm going to say was, um, yeah, it was, it was late November. Um, and wow. it was a game that, you know, we, we, we were just, we, we were well beaten, and I thought. And then after that, we turned it on. Okay, there were a lot of draws in that mix too. Um, we won through, you know, two rounds of the FA Cup in that time as well. Um, we okay. We we played played not a great Burnley side, not a great Barnsley side, but you beat what's put in front of you. And 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 there were times in in that period as well where okay, there were there were simple wins like the three nil drubbing of Peterborough um, last Friday, but there were also ones that we really ground out the um, the two one against Cardiff when we went into the um, the eighty fifth minute losing by a goal to nil and we came out two one. You know those are the games that that, that, that do that's the mentality that shows you that you're that you you've got what it takes to be at the t- top end of that division I think um so it was it's been a fantastic run and hey we're still unbeaten in the league in all that time it was disappointing I was I was at City Ground last night um it was just one of those classic experiences when you stand there debating your life choices on the terrace thinking I've been there I, I was there at the John Smiths earlier this season <laughs> It's it's just such a sobering thing that you can feel like the pre-match beers wearing off, and you, 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 you <laughs> think, wow, like uh, why why am I here so far from home on a Monday night? The game was on ITV, <laughs> and I, I for some inexplicable reason I came all that way, and uh, we had a throw in. We lost two one, having led in the first half, but we, to be fair, we really didn't deserve to get anything out of it, and just to epitomise our struggle in that game and the fact that we were so flaccid in uh for in, in in the face of a forest side that just that, that that really i didn't think needed to boss the game we had a throw in and the ed- level of the edge of the forest penalty area 95th minute final minute of added time people stands up to take it foul throw and that was- <laughs> but, but, but now after 24 hours the sadness has faded and i can look back at it and think okay um I don't buy into the. I think it's a fallacy that people say that a club, a, a cup run, can distract you from the league. I think that the two work in tandem. However, w- we made a lot of changes to that side. Uh, I think it was six. I think it was six changes we made in all. So there was no Lewis O'Brien even in the, squ- in the squad. Uh, he did come off with a bit of a knock against Peterborough on Friday. So whether he does actually feature against West Brom, we'll have to wait and see. Um, we didn't start Jordan Rhodes nor Danny Ward. Nichols was rested as well. We played Jamal Blackman in net. Um, you'd probably say that the biggest first teamer in there was Tom Lees, who played at the back. I think we'll see a lot of rotation come in. And so, you know, have we put a full full strength team out against Forest? Maybe we'd be, we'd be in the quarterfinals of the cup, perhaps. But we do have to prioritise the league and we have to prioritise West Brom on Friday. That's what everyone was saying. Of course we would. And so... I, I think we'll see a very different looking Huddersfield town side. And I think hopefully we'll see a well-rested one because we have got a lot of games in quick succession. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that fix, the fixture list has been kind to you there, to be honest. Um, fifth round FA Cup game on the Monday and then 
sort of playoff contender game on the Friday night. I think that's a bit harsh on <laughs> Huddersfield, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, it's... Got, you, you want to play your best side for both of those games, ideally. Mm. But but hey, you know, I look back at the last few times we've been in the fifth round of the FA Cup and this has happened every time. Um, I remember us getting to the fifth round when I, we were in League One about 15 years ago. We lost a, a very good Chelsea team, um, 3-1. We were never really going you know, to threaten them. Um, and then three times in the last sort of seven years, we've, we've got into the fifth round. The first time... And we drew all the teams you wanted to draw, you know, when you were when you were in the lower leagues. We drew Manchester City, had to play the reserves against them, drew nil-nil, had to play the reserves against them again because we had Newcastle a few days later in the league, yeah. lost both games. We had Manchester United in the fifth round um, when we were in the Premier League, had to rest players and got beat. And so finally we got Forest. And then, yeah, you're right, we've got West Brom later in the week. But the thing is, my mate laid this down very well, actually, when I was when I was when I was complaining about this on, on the terraces last night. And if you're doing well in the cup, it's probably because you're doing well in the league as well. And so it comes hand in hand. It's yeah. very unlikely you're going to be safely in mid table and, and not have the league to prioritize. So I don't know. I, I think, I think that criticizing the, the fixture scheduling is, 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 is something that, you know, like a luxury that can only be afforded to the, the very top managers. I think the rest of us do a good job of just lumping it and getting on with it. And so, Fair point. you know, you've got, you've got, you've got to play these games and Hey, it would have been worse if we'd, if we'd won on Monday and had to move the Bournemouth game to later in the season, because then we would have really would have had a really crowded schedule. So I don't know. It's well, not you would have done, and that would be your biggest game of the season as well. That Bournemouth game. The later we were going to play them, that gives them more time to drop points. And so exactly, yeah, but, yeah. So you, you're right. We would have liked to play two very strong teams. Uh, what I think well, it probably doesn't work in West Brom's favour because we'll probably play some players who've had a bit of a rest, um, and that should benefit us now. Yeah, absolutely. But Albion not played since Saturday as well, so um, everyone should be fairly, fairly well rested. Um, I think with Albion, it's going to be a mirror image of our last setup, which was a three-five-two. So we'll, we'll have both teams will be playing three at the back. Um, Livermore will have, if Lewis O'Brien's playing, Livermore will have his hands full because I think he's exactly the kind of player that Livermore doesn't like to play against, um, who's going to run in and around him, run off his shoulder, um, play quickly and ask a lot of questions of him. He's the kind of player that Livermore picks up an early yellow card against sometimes. Um, but Alex Mower and Taylor Gardner-Hickman uh, doing the running in midfield look really dangerous in their last game. And yeah, we'll see. Ideally... You know, we'd have Daryl DK, something we speak about a lot on the podcast, but he's injured. So we'll have to wait and see till after the international break. Um, so I'd imagine the front two will be Carlin Grant and Callum Robinson. Obviously, Carlin Grant is against his old club. We decided he was worth something like 18 million a couple of years ago. <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, 16 million or something yeah, crazy. I don't, I don't know who decided that. I hope he was it wasn't a good player. Out. I don't think he was a 16 million pound player. Yeah. Of course, he's nailed on for a goal against his former club, isn't he? I hope so. We said that in, I think we both backed it in uh, November as well. <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I do want to talk now about the game. So um, how you think... Huddersfield will line up and what you think the score might be, Cam? Um, so, uh, I, I, I am still backing. I am still backing a Huddersfield Town win. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be 2-1. I'm going to say it's going to be a tight affair. The reason for that being that that is, tends to still be how our, how our games tend to go. Um, the, re- the reason being West Brom are shit. Uh, there's probably part of that reason too, but this is uh, <laughs> you're in good company. This is how we beat Fulham um, in recent weeks. Two in the lead in the first half. But I said earlier in the pod that um, 
in our discussion that look, I, the, I don't always agree with the system that Huddersfield Town play. Yeah, and I, I am, I am in no way as adept at, at, at tactics as Carlos Corbera. I'm not even close. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not one to question too much. But the one thing that I and that perplexes me and a lot of other Huddersfield Town fans is the fact that we we have a propensity to drop really deep once we've once we've gained the lead and we drop a, I wish I had the figure in front of me but we, we drop a staggering a number of points from winning positions so that's what leads me to believe that you know if we hit the ground running and get out early with Danny Ward and Jordan Rhodes who've been rested because we didn't play a recognized striker in the starting 11 on uh, on against Forest on Monday that's what makes me think that will look quite strong. So if I'm going to go for the actual team that I think we're going to go and put out, um, what I'm going to say, I was going to say Lee Nichols will almost certainly make his uh, make his return in net. Um, as for defensively, I'm going to say the back three is likely to be um, is likely to be Lee's. Uh, I think that Matty Pearson will be alongside him. I don't think we'll see Josh Ruffles because he had a he had quite a poor game on Monday. I think he really struggled. So what we might see is Nabi Saar. Um, I know he's one of your favourites, Kieran. He's going to. I love, love Nabi Saar. I think he's so underrated. <laughs> you do, and he's and he's and he's a great player on his day. Yeah, um, maybe I just always I watch Nabi. him on his day. Mm, well, yeah, indeed. So I think Nabi Saar um, could be in that defensive three. I don't know if Levi Colwell, the Chelsea uh, Lenny, will be fit. Um, if not, I would like him to play. Um, and as we go across the middle, so in the middle of the park, we'll have Lewis O'Brien if he's fit, and I hope he is because he is still a shining light in the team, a great box-to-box midfielder. Um, he's just a catalyst for so much. Alongside him, likely to be John Russell, uh, another young Chelsea man. Um, on the right, you'll probably see you'll probably see Sorber Thomas. Um, there could be a place for Ruffles on the left if he's deciding to to move him out that way. Uh, this is where it gets a little bit murky because we've got other midfield options like Carol Eiting, the uh, Dutchman, um, it was Ajax. Um, I'm going to actually take a, I'm going to have a stab and I'm going to say that Ruffles will probably move out to his better left wing back position. That's what I'm going to say he'll go. Um, then we'll, I will say we'll start Danny Ward as the central striker. Um, and then I think Daniel Sanani will play off him on the right. With he scored Holmes. against Albion earlier this season, Sanani. Yes, he yes he did. And then uh, Dwayne Holmes on the left. That could be tweaked if we decided to put Ward and Rhodes on together. We normally play them for the last half an hour, say, in which case you'd probably put them both up front and then you'd have Sanani in a central role or Holmes in a central role in behind. So it will probably be 3-4-3 three, three, um, or a 3-4-1-2 sort of formation. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm going to guess that we're going we're gonna to feel on, uh, on Friday. Brilliant. If it's a 3-4-3, three, three, I think that would suit... Um, that would suit Albion in terms of the midfield, but I would be really, really conscious of the fact Sorba Thomas will be running in behind Connor Townsend constantly and then he's mm-hmm. one-on-one with Matt Clark um, if he does that so yeah I, I think obviously he's, he's been brilliant this season but I think Sorba Thomas is a real danger man if we're going to line up with our 3-5-2 against the 3-4-3 um, yeah I would be apprehensive um, to say the least um, and a score prediction Cam to finish on yes so I'm going to say 2-1 I'm going to say Hudson time yeah. take a sooner lead and uh, and West Brom will will, will gallantly endeavour to to work themselves back into the game, but the uh, but due to the the tactical time wasting of Lee Nichols and his yellow card, I think that Huddersfield Town will just about see it over the line. Okay, I I didn't think I'd be predicting this if I'm honest because I predicted us to lose the whole last week, but <laughs> football's a fickle game and a week's a long time and all those cliches. I would 
I think Albion will start fast and I think we might nick a goal early on. Um, maybe Carlin Grant. That would be a nice bit of poetry. Because Carlin, it was around this point in the season. Um, well, it was a little bit later, actually, wasn't it? It was with about three or four games to go. that The season Albion went up, that Huddersfield beat us and it was 2-1. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe and Carlin Grant scored and that was properly rock bottom for Albion that season. Mm. We were like, oh, we've bottled automatic promotion and stuff. I think it'd be really nice if two years later Carlin Grant was scoring for the <laughs> Albion against Huddersfield. Unfortunately, Emil Smith-Rowe won't be on the show for either team because he's no. <laughs> bigger and better things. But oh, Players uh, you'd yeah. have back in a heartbeat, hey? Oh, but, I know, yeah, yeah I know. That's, that'd be a lovely 11 to put together, players you'd have back in a heartbeat. Oh, too right, too right. Ben Chilwell gets straight in there as well. Absolutely, oh, bet, all yeah. Right. Exactly. Shalaba. Mm-hmm. I bet you I bet you'd have Shalaba back in a heartbeat. Yeah, oh Shalaba too. And it's always yeah. nice to see these lads go on to do to, to, to greater things. Um Absolutely. Yeah. Would you have Colin Grant back? Um yeah, I would. You know, will you, I would, will you pay 18 I million? I decided immediately after his move, but I think I, I do think that he's got enough in the tank to at least be a, a compliment to our squad. Yeah. Would you uh, would you take 18 million? Would you pay us 18 million rather? <laughs> I think you know my answer to that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to go for a two-one Albion win. Um, okay. I think we'll, we'll have enough to get over the line. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say Albion will go two-nil up, and Town will be the ones chasing the game. And I think we might have enough to hold on. But in the big games this season, Huddersfield have done really, really well. Um, you know, you mentioned the Huddersfield. Uh, sorry, the Fulham win recently. That will give a lot of confidence to Huddersfield. And famously, Albion have been pretty bad in our big games this season. So. We'll see. I'm going to go 2-1 and you know what? I'm going all in. Um, this is the this is the the Phoenix rising from the ashes in our playoff push. <laughs> um, Cam, thank you so, so much for coming on. It has been a pleasure. Listeners, no, thank you, here. I, I love chatting football with you, Cam. Um, where can people listen to you chatting football uh, if they want to? Um, so I don't I don't actually tend to do too much in the way of podcasts anymore, but I do commentate. Um, and so I don't know if you have any fans that are in the uh, are in the the South Yorkshire and North Derbyshire area, you might hear me on Football Heaven on BBC Radio Sheffield. You might also hear me oh, down your ends, Kieran, in BBC Radio London. Um, but but usually I, I try to keep my uh, my opinions away from Huddersfield Town. Uh, <laughs> I'm emotional about that subject. So you may hear me talking Millwall at some point. But, uh, but yeah, which is my local team. <laughs> Indeed. yeah brilliant cam thank you so much um all the best with your commentary and all the best after friday i hope you have enough to to go up above bournemouth but i also hope you don't have enough to get past albion on friday thank you very much kieran i hope you enjoy the game a little bit maybe the first half maybe just the first half but i hope to see you in the playoffs for a party that we're not involved in at the end of the season anyway take care mate i hope so see you mate Thank you to Cam and thank you to everybody who has listened to the podcast up to this point. JB, before we close, can I get a very quick score prediction from you for uh, Albion against Huddersfield? Yeah, it's funny how, how things change. Like this time last week, if we'd have had to jump forward a couple of weeks and I would have had to have guessed the results, I probably wouldn't be saying this, but it's funny how certain results happen. And I think I think you guys getting the win on the weekend... Like I say, I take with you know against a, a fairly weak opposition in in Hull, but it's still a, a, a two 0 win in a clean sheet and three points on the board. I think the bigger result though is Huddersfield losing last night. Um, I think that has a has a a real knock on effect um, for them, and I think they'll have a bit of a hangover come Friday night, emotionally and physically. I think emotionally and physically. Um, yeah, and I think I think actually 
Huddersfield losing last night was a bigger result for you than than, than almost the whole game in effect, if that makes sense. I'm with you, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, It's I, something I, we touched on with, with Cam there. Um, yeah, it's how, how are Huddersfield going to bounce back from this and can Albion build on their, um, their yeah. weekend? So for that, prediction, for reason, yeah, so for that reason, man, I'm going to go for a narrow 1-0 West Brom. Wow. Um, I know. That would be... There would be scenes if we win 1-0 on Friday night. I would be yeah. a very, very happy man going into the weekend. If we lose, though, I'll be really disappointed. But at least it can't ruin yeah. my Saturday if it ruins my Friday night. That's my thinking. <laughs> That's uh, it. One last thing I wanted to mention on International Women's Day today. You won't be listening to this on International Women's Day, but that is when we're recording. Um, the first ever... Um, West Bromwich Albion women's game happened at the Hawthorns this week and there was a crowd of nearly 2,000 people and Albion won, which is brilliant. Hopefully the start of something new. Uh, and yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I think it's it's really cool. It's something to aim for for um, young girls playing football out there. And it's, you know, Albion are very much um, blazing a trail there, really. Uh, and I hope that long may it continue. I hope that the Hawthorns becomes somewhat of a home uh, for the ladies team or for the women's team I should say as it has for the men's team okay so thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Black Country Ramble JB anything you want to add before we go no mate uh, good chatting again and we'll touch base next week absolutely JB it's always a pleasure um, and it is a pleasure to be recording these uh, for people to listen to so once again thank you at home for listening you can find us at BCR pod on Twitter please do engage with us um, reply to our tweets tell us if you got bronze silver gold in the trivia this week whatever it might be um, and also please do leave a review if you listen on Spotify can you review on there and same if you uh, listen on apple podcasts that is just about it so all we've got left to say is i hope your football team wins this weekend unless you're a wolves fan you're a wolves fan yeah, there we go <laughs> 